Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Praise God. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Four years ago, almost five now, I had uh, open-heart surgery. Um, had several blocked arteries in my heart. And uh, because I was so young, no one thought to look for that. And so through the process uh, of being sick and being diagnosed, I was misdiagnosed. I mean, they tried to tell me. They, they screened me for colon cancer. They told me I had acid reflux, everything but heart failure. And uh, while I was going through that, it was one of the most traumatizing uh, physical seasons of my life and this particular scripture uh, gave me hope and help and healing and uh, it's been one of those things that I've quoted in my life and I would encourage you to memorize it um, but I'm going to try to preach from it today uh, without shouting and running out of this sanctuary and leaving y'all in here by yourself because uh, it's one of those that just does it for me. Anybody got a scripture that just does it for you? Right, like you're, you're not one of those Trump Christians that can't tell nobody your favorite scripture because you ain't got one. You, you for real have a scripture that when you read it, it really blesses your heart and ministers to your spirit. So this is uh, Pastor Josh's Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to begin reading at verse 28. And Joe, if I could have that in the New King James Version. Amen. New King James Version of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we brought one to you. It's on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, have you not known? And have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. For even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to draw your attention specifically to verse 29. Hear it again. It says, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Amen. Do me a favor and help me announce my sermon title to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. He's going to give you favor to keep on fighting. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Favor to keep on fighting. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Favor to keep on fighting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Davon. Since its release in 1982, Alice Walker's The Color Purple has been a literary classic, not just among us as African Americans, but this phenomenal work has been celebrated by people of every ethnicity around the world as it tells the gruesome and glorious story of the tragedies and triumphs of black women 
in the 1900s in the southern United States. In 1985, the book was adapted into a film by Quincy Jones and Steven Spielberg. And in it, we were able to see the story come alive for us in living color through the performances of Whoopi Goldberg as Miss Seeley, Danny Glover as Mr. and a host of many other talented actors and actresses. And for many of us, it was Oprah Winfrey's performance that cemented the movie in our hearts and minds as she portrayed Sophia, the strong and no-nonsense wife of Celie's stepson, Harpo. And one of the most pivotal scenes in the movie, Sophia, full of rage, marches into a cornfield to confront Celie after learning that it was she who told her husband, Harpo, that if he wanted peace in his home, then he needed to beat his wife. <laughs> An angry and emotional Sophia, after laying hands on her husband, comes to confront her mother-in-law, Miss Seeley, with these immortal words. All my life, I had to fight. She had to fight her father. She's had to fight her brothers. She's had to fight her uncles because a girl is not safe in a man's world. But she never thought that she would have to fight in her own home. And you can identify with Sophia, can't you? If you'd be honest, life has not been easy for you, and in some way or another, you've been having to fight all of your life. You've had to fight low self-esteem, and you've had to fight depression, and you've had to fight through loneliness, and you've had to fight through anxiety. You've had to fight through dysfunction in your family, and you've had to fight for peace in your mind. You've had to fight to have your voice heard, and you've had to fight being underestimated. You've had to fight to be respected on your job. And then when you get home after work, you have to fight through a messed up home situation. You fought temptation and disappointment in relationships and money problems and fake friends and church hurt and daddy issues and mommy issues. As a matter of fact, you may not want to admit it right now because we've perfected the art of faking like we have it all together and all of our problems are in the past. But the reality is simple that many of us have not just had to fight in the past but a lot of us are fighting right now because while you're listening to this message you can barely focus on what I'm saying because you're in the middle of a fight you're fighting to believe that God has purpose in the midst of your pain you're fighting to hold on to your hope when everything in your life is telling you to let it go you're fighting to believe that your life matters even in the midst of a nation and a culture that places more value on the life of a police dog than it does on people who look like you you're fighting to maintain your faith in God when it seems like a psychotic reality TV star has taken the nation hostage and God won't do anything about it. You're fighting to believe that you have a place in the church when chauvinist, misogynistic and racist men who should be welcoming you with open arms because of your gifts ladies, your talents and your anointing are telling you instead to go home. And many of us know what it's like to have to fight and after all of the skirmishes, all of the scrapes and all of the bruises there are days when yes you have courage and faith but there are also days when you like Sophia are tired of fighting because life has knocked the fight out of you and even though we may be tired of fighting beloved the reality of our lives is this no matter how earthly how carnal how physical how terrestrial our problems may seem we are in the midst of a spiritual battle and spiritual victory is not a matter of human strength but it can only come from a holy God and God only gives victory to those who refuse to let life beat 
them into submission and keep on fighting. God help me. If we want to win life's battles, then we have to remember that perseverance is a prerequisite for guaranteed victory. Let me say that again. If we want to win life's battles, we have to remember that perseverance, the ability to hang in there, to keep fighting, to press your way through is a prerequisite for gaining victory in the battles of life. If you keep on fighting, then you will win. And I know on its surface, that's an easy spiritual reality to grasp. But if you are anything like me, then the question has to be asked, how do we get the victory when the constant battles of life have robbed us of our desire to keep on fighting? How do we keep on fighting when we're tired, tired of being positive, tired of going to therapy, tired of coming to church, tired of reading our Bibles, tired of trying to figure out who's real and who's fake, tired of reporting to work every day, tired of taking pills and going to the doctor. How do you keep fighting when the battles of life have worn you down? And I know that in church we're told not to admit it uh, that we're tired and we're told to act as if some, we're told to act as if it's not hard getting up in the morning sometimes and we're told to act uh, like everything is good and we've perfected the Christian talking points that we're blessed and highly favored. But if you've ever had to fight through hell and high water, through trial and tribulation, through disease and through pain, you will get tired and fatigue will cause you to lose your will to fight. Is there anybody here who can admit that I've been fighting and I've been doing my best to stay strong, but I'm losing my will to fight in the battles of life. I'm losing my will to get down on my knees and pray. 5 a.m. prayer used to be easy for me. I'm talking about me now. But now after I've gone through some things and I've had to wrestle through some things, it seems like I'd rather have those few extra hours of sleep than to get up and commune with God because I'm tired and life has a way of wearing you out. But even when the battles of life have beaten the fight out of us and our adversity has attempted to sap us of our strength, God will not allow us to lose the battle because we have lost our fight. But we serve a God who will supernaturally supply us with the strength that we need to stay in the battle until we get the victory. When we are bruised, when we are battered, and when we are broken, the beauty of our lives, beloved, is that we serve a God who will give us favor so that we can keep on fighting. As a matter of fact, there is someone in here who knows I'm telling the truth because you can look back over the struggles of your life and think about times when you thought you were going to give up for some reason. Even when everything in your life told you that you should throw in the towel, somehow or another you looked inside and found strength that you didn't know you had because God will give you favor to keep on fighting. God help me. I wish I had a witness in the building. Is there anybody here who knows that to be true? As a matter of fact, that's the reason I show up to church. I don't show up here just because I was strong. I'm not still here because I had it all together. I'm still here because even when my strength was gone, God stepped in and give me the grace to stay in the fight. Who am I preaching to in the building today? You knew that you should have gave up a long time ago. You should have walked away from marriage, walked away from your ministry, walked away from your job, given up on your hopes and given up on your dreams. But some, for some reason, you're still here. When everyone else around you walked away, your friends 
divorced their spouses. Your friends walked away from their assignment. Your people walked away from their church, but you're still here. It's because even when you're weak, worn out, God will give you favor to keep on fighting. Yeah, if you're in the battle, if you're in a battle and you feel like you've run out of strength, the beauty of our lives is that God will give us favor to keep on fighting. And whether you know it or not, beloved, this is the message of our text. God's prophet Isaiah is writing to the people of God who are in captivity because they have sinned. And so to punish Israel for their wickedness, God allows them to be taken captive by the nation of Babylon. Now what is interesting about the prophecy of Isaiah is that in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, they give us the words of an angry God who is pronouncing judgment on Israel and the rest of the nations. But when we get to chapter 40, the prophecy radically changes directions and Isaiah shifts from giving judgment and anger and begins to prophesy comfort to the people of God. You didn't get it. In the first 39 chapters of the book, God is angry with his people. He's punishing them for their wickedness. He's telling them that judgment is on the horizon. He's actually prophesying to them that not only when you come out of this uh, uh, judgment, not only are you going to go through this judgment rather, but there is going to be other judgment that you go through after this. But something happens in between chapters 39 and 40. Isaiah begins to prophesy not judgment, but comfort and restoration to the people of God. As a matter of fact, the change is so drastic that many Bible scholars believe that this suggests that there was a second Isaiah who actually wrote the second half of the book. And while we don't have conclusive proof as to whether or not there were two men named Isaiah, what I do know is that God doesn't have to use two different writers to get two different messages across because mercy can cause God to change his message without him having to choose a new messenger. God, help me. Y'all missed it. Is there anybody here who knows that mercy can make God change his message? That when God has one word over your life, when God has proclaimed something over your life, you can put your face to the wall and pray for mercy. And like Hezekiah, when he was sick, God will add years to your life. He'll give you mercy and a new message. As a matter of fact, some of us are in the room right now because when God should have judged us, when he should have pronounced a sentence of death over us, mercy changed God's message. I got to move. So Isaiah shifts then from a message of judgment to a message of comfort. And when we come to the circumference of our text in verses 21 through 26, Isaiah tells Israel that even though it might look like you're at the mercy of the Babylonian empire, it is God who rules over kingdoms and it is he who sets one up and takes another down. And that ought to be good news for us in the social and political climate that we find ourselves in. Our lives are not controlled by what happens at the mayor's office or in the governor's mansion. Our, our destiny is not dictated by tweets that emanate from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But our God is absolutely in control. As a matter of fact, in verse 26, Isaiah tells Israel, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one star 
are has gone missing. God help me. Isaiah goes on to tell Israel to stop talking crazy. Stop saying that God has forgotten about you and that you're never going to get the justice that you deserve. Stop saying that not only are you tired of fighting, but God is tired of fighting for you. But God tells Israel to remember who they are. But Isaiah tells Israel to remember who their God is, that he does not grow weary and he doesn't get tired. But not only does God not get tired, here it is, he supplies supernatural energy to those who serve him. God, help me. You need to understand that not only do you serve an inexhaustible God, but God supplies people who serve him with inexhaustible power. God, help me. Oh, God, Isaiah tells Israel that the God who you serve is not overwhelmed by your trouble and neither will he allow you to be overwhelmed by your trouble. As a matter of fact, he tells them in verse 28, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. So God through the prophet promises Israel that when the battles of life have taken the fight out of us, when we are weak and weary and worn out, God will give us favor to keep on fighting. And that's good news because the reality of our lives, beloved, whether you want to admit it or not, is that we need this favor. We need this supernatural empowerment of God's spirit to give us strength because we live in a culture that emphasizes emphasizes self-reliance we live in a culture that tells us that all we got to do is depend on ourselves and we'll make it and because of our sinful nature we are tempted to live from and fight from our own strength we try to give from our own strength and serve from our own strength and love from our own strength and lead from our own strength and raise our children from our own strength and stay married in our own strength and we wonder why we are so worn out tired and depressed it is because no matter how strong you believe yourself to be our strength will always fail us because it is based in the reality of our human frailty God help me you are a human you are finite you got limits and so your strength no matter how much you got has limits God help me oh God has anybody ever been in a situation in life where you saw your strength fail you you thought you could be strong you thought you could handle it you thought you were going to be able to navigate it but your strength let you down you thought you were going to be able to handle the bad news you said hit me with your best shot but when they hit you you crumble to your knees because no matter how strong you are in and of yourself your strength will fail you this is what Isaiah means in verse 30 when he says even the youth will faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall he is challenging us beloved to realize that no matter who we are everyone at sometimes comes to the end of their own strength but I believe that this reality is not to hurt us but it's to help us because if you go back to verse 29 you'll see that the text says that God only gives power to the weak and he only increases strength to those who have no might so if God then only gives power to the weak and he only increases strength to those who have no might could it be that the situation that you're in could actually be a blessing God help me could it be the circumstance 
circumstance that you're in that's stealing your strength from you could actually be a setup. God, help me. So that God can position you to properly receive his power. This leads us then, beloved, to a powerful redemptive truth. And that is this. Maybe one of the greatest acts of divine love is God allowing me to realize how helpless I really am. God, help me. See, some of you are too carnal to shout about that. But if you really know how to lean on God, you'll realize that some of the greatest revelations in your life came when you got to the end of your own capacity, came when you got to the place that you realize I'm not smart enough to handle this. I'm not strong enough to lift this burden. I don't have enough speed to outrun this trouble. I need God to help me. And some of us are blocking blessings because we don't know how to take our hands off of our situation and let God have it. So we're stuck in spiritual quicksand. You know what quicksand is, don't you? In Indiana Jones, I was watching Indiana Jones one time with my mother and she was going through a jungle and he was running through the jungle. Then all of a sudden he started to sink down in some substance and Indiana started trying to fight his way out of the sand. But his companion said, stop, you're in quicksand. The harder you fight, the deeper you're going to fall into the sand. And some of us are in spiritual and emotional quicksand trying to fight our way out of trouble and fight our way out of circumstance and fight our way out of our own situation. But God says once we recognize that we can't do anything without the help of a holy God, that's when his strength kicks in. Because his strength, beloved, hear me, is not perfected when it's commingled with your strength. God, help me. His strength is not perfected when your strength is still in the picture. But his strength is only perfected when it's when it's coupled with your weakness. God, help me. So your weakness, beloved, is simply a setup for God to show off how strong he is. God, help me. So then maybe you should stop complaining about your situation long enough to realize that God is loving you by weakening you. God, help me. Oh, God, I know you don't want to admit that. You don't want to shout over that. We want to shout over cars and clothes and money and that by this time next year, I'm going to have the boo that I want and I'm going to have the job that I want. But some of us need to learn how to thank God because he's weakening us. Because him weakening us is an act of love. Do me a favor now. Touch somebody. I know it's early in the message, but touch somebody and say he's doing it because he loves you. I know it didn't feel like love when people were walking away from you. I know it didn't feel like love when you were being abandoned. I know it didn't feel like love when you were being overlooked and despised and rejected and they were talking about you and they were disrespecting you. I know it didn't feel like love. It was weakening you, but he was weakening you so that you could catch a revelation of how strong he is. God, help me. This is why now I can thank God for the battles of life because my weakness is a setup for God to show off his power. And somebody needs to know that God is getting ready to step into the weak places of your life. He's getting ready to step in there and give you power that you know didn't come from you. He's getting ready to give you strength that your enemies didn't expect you to have. He's getting ready to lift you up in a way that will give you supernatural victory in the battles of life. God, help me. Oh God, I got to quit now. So the question then is, how does God give us favor to keep on fighting? Verse 29 says, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases the strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. Those who are depending upon their own strength will soon realize how limited their strength really is. But here it is, verse 31. 
But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. God help me. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So how does God give us favor to keep on fighting? God help me. I'm going to hang out in verse 31 for a few minutes. Then I promise I'm in my seat. The first thing he does to give us favor to keep on fighting. Here it is. God provides help to those who have the right hope. God help me. Uh, God provides help. Not to everybody, but to those who have the right hope. The text says, they that wait upon the Lord. God, help me. Oh, God, this has not been a prophecy of help to every weak person. Some weak people are going to stay weak because they keep trying to fight their own way out of their weakness. But this is a prophecy of hope to every person who has gotten tired while placing their hope in God. And who can be honest? Sometimes you get tired trusting God. I know, don't put your hand up. You ain't got to say amen loud. I don't want nobody to judge you. Uh, but, but I can be honest. Sometimes I get tired of praying and tired of trusting and tired of believing and tired of fasting and tired of trying to speak life into my situation. I get fatigued while trusting in God. And I know I'm trusting in God because I've already come to grips with the reality that I can't do it. I'm trusting in him and I've gotten tired. And if you're like me, this is a promise that if you have placed your trust in the Lord and you find yourself at the end of your rope, God is not going to allow you to be embarrassed, but he's going to help you. And this is not random help, but he is going to help you by giving you strength to keep on hoping in him. God, help me. Oh God, the reward for hope is not a new car. The reward for hope is not financial wealth. The reward for hope is the strength to keep on hoping. God, help me. I wish somebody would understand that today, that God is giving you the strength to keep on hoping. I know you're tired, and I know you've been trusting. Oh, God, but you've been trusting in him too much for him to let you be embarrassed. I know the situation seems volatile and crazy, and you don't know how you're going to make your way out, but God is about to give you help for your hope. God, help me. He's about to reward your hope with his help uh, I got to move so he will provide help for those who have the right hope say amen. amen number two he will elevate me over every obstacle I promise I'm in the text he says but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up God help me uh, with wings like eagles it is interesting now that God through the prophet Isaiah does not highlight the flight pattern of the sparrow he does not highlight the pattern of the crow or the raven or any other bird because biblically there was something unique about how the eagle flew because although the eagle flapped his wings like other birds he was highlighted in scripture not for his ability to flap before his ability to soar. God help me. Now soaring takes place when the eagle gets to an altitude where he is able to stop working and flapping his wings but the air and the currents of air get under the eagle. God help me. And carry the eagle without his effort. All the eagle has to do is stretch out his wings. God help me. And he can soar. So when God tells his people that they're going to mount up 
on wings like eagles. What he is telling them is you're not going to have to work to get above your obstacles. But the power of God, God help me, is going to get under you. God help me. Like the current of air gets under the wing of the eagle. And he's going to carry you where he wants you to go. God help me. Oh God, I know you don't want to fight anymore. I know you want to throw in the towel. But God wants you to know that this victory is no longer dependent on you. But he's getting ready to carry you through. God help me. Oh God, you don't get it yet. Let me bring some help. I brought some help with me. Uh, when my son was a little boy, uh, my daughter uh, progressed much faster than my son did. And I found out, I thought something was wrong with the little boy. I thought he was a little slow. I didn't know what was wrong with him uh, because he didn't progress as fast as Tamia. And the difference was Tamia was more independent than my son is. My daughter was in a hurry to get up and do her own thing. So she started walking faster than he did. He started, she started talking sooner than he did. She's doing a lot of stuff faster than he did it because my son, check this out, is lazy. Yeah, my, my son does not like to expend unnecessary effort, right? So my son didn't talk for a long time because at school they taught him sign language. So for a while, my son wouldn't talk. He would just sign. He'd say, Daddy, Mama, eat, eat more, all of that stuff, or eat, eat more, all that stuff. He would do that uh, while he was growing. And one of the things that he would do that would irritate me is I knew that the boy could walk, Victoria. I knew he could walk. I knew he would walk. And one day, matter of fact, Kim and Jotham were with us. We went to the zoo with my son. And every couple of feet, my son would say, Daddy, pick me up. He would say, Daddy, get me. Daddy, pick me up. And after a while, I realized that it was more convenient for me to carry him to our destination than it was for me to let him walk. Because I could get him there faster by carrying him, God help me, than he could get there by walking in his own strength. Come here, let me preach to you. God said that there were some places that he's trying to take you. That when you get to the point of weakness, all you got to do is say, Daddy, pick me up. And he's going to carry you where he wants you to go. Y'all don't feel like having church. But I wish there were two or three people that would shout about the fact that God's getting ready to pick you up and take you to your destination. As a matter of fact, touch somebody and say, he's going to carry you through. I, I know you thought you were going to have to walk there by yourself. I know you thought you were going to have to get there on your own strength. I know you thought you were going to have to be there on your own power, but he's going to carry you through. He will. And the great thing about God, this is not in my notes, but I figured I'd give this to you for free. Uh, the great thing about God is that he can carry you and your burden at the same time. God help me. That he can lift you up and that he can lift what's on you, God help me, at the same time. God is so great that he can pick you up and lift your burden at the same time. As a matter of fact, just do me a favor and just touch yourself and say it's about to get lifted. Yeah, stay there. Yeah, it's, it's about to get lifted. You had to be here last week to know what that's about. It's, it's about to get lifted. It's, it's not going to stay on you. It's about to get lifted off you. Uh... Uh, God, I got to quit. Okay, so he provides help for those who have the right hope. He will elevate me over every obstacle. Number three, he will sustain me so that I can continue to serve him. Yeah, he, he, he will sustain me so that I can continue to serve him. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run 
and not be weary. God, help me. Biblically, whenever the Bible talks about running, it is talking about serving the Lord. It is talking about serving God. It's not talking about random running. It's talking about people who are running in their service for the Lord. So when Isaiah says you're going to be able to run and not get weary, what he is saying metaphorically is you're going to be able to continue to be faithful in your service to God without losing your will to stay faithful. God, help me. You're, you're going to run and not be weary. And this is not a message for everybody. This is not a message for people who come to church and consume and don't serve. This is not a message for people who don't do anything for the Lord. But if you've ever been serving God and you found yourself weary and you feel like you're the only person that cares about uh, what's happening at the church, you're the only person that cares about what's going on in the kingdom. You're the only one that cares about what happens and what goes on and what doesn't happen. To everybody who serves, especially my leaders, this is a word for you. God says he's going to give you the power to keep running and not get weary. This is the promise then that if you are running with God's vision, God is going to empower you to keep on running. Okay, you didn't get it because if you got it, you would have shouted. Let me help you. Uh, my sister Rachel, when she was in high school and college, she was a track star. And sometimes I would go and watch my sister at track practice. I would watch Rachel while she did the hurdles. I would watch Rachel while she did the four by one and the four by four. And I would watch her in practice. And every now and then, Brother Herman, I would see my sister down like this, tired, huffing and puffing. But if I turned away or if I went to the soda machine to get a soda and I came back somehow or another, my sister would be running again. I didn't understand how she was able to go from being tired to running again. So Destiny, I asked her, I said, oh, Rachel, what's that about? Last time I looked at you, you were hung over tired, saying that you were ready to quit. You were complaining to your coach. But then when I went to go get a soda and I came back, you were on the track running again, just as good as you were at the beginning of the practice. And she said something to me. Oh, God, help me that blew my mind she said what happened was I got my second win God help me oh God y'all sleep uh, God said he's about to give you your second win I know you've been running I know you've gotten tired but God is about to give you your second win you may be tired but God is about to give you new strength and new power as a matter of fact I dare you to praise God like your second win is on the way He's about to give you your second win. <laughs> yeah, he's about to give you your second win. I, I know you wanted to give up two weeks ago. And your haters, them people on your job aren't going to understand it. They're not going to understand why you're still in the race. But touch somebody and say, he's about to give you your second win. Okay. Number four and I'm finished. He provides help for those who have the right hope. Don't run out the sanctuary. I got one more. Uh, uh, he provides help for those who have the right hope. He will elevate you over every obstacle. He will sustain you so that you can continue to serve him. But then number four, and I'm done. He will get me to the finish line with my faith intact. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, but they shall walk and not faint. God, help me. Oh, God, there is a difference between running for God and walking with God. As a matter of fact, I would contend that the reason why we have so many problems in church right now 
is because we have so many people who claim to be working for God, but they are not walking with God. So I think that it's interesting that the prophet not only promises that we're going to be able for, to run for God and not be weary, but he also declares that we're going to be able to walk and not faint. And if we, if we would be honest, many of us know people and have even heard of former pastors and former Christian artists who claim to no longer be believers. This is because walking with God is hard when you're doing it in your own strength. You begin to ask questions of theodicy, why God would allow bad things to happen and your faith is shaken by the death of a loved one or by the loss of a job and you wonder whether or not God is real and you contemplate walking away sometimes. But the promise of God is that he will Will give you the power to keep walking with him even during the crises of life. God will give you the grace to go through the problems of life and hold on to your confession of faith without wavering because he who has promised is faithful. As a matter of fact, someone in the building, that's your testimony. You're not here in church because everything you tried have worked and you're not here because God has answered every prayer you've prayed with a yes. You're not here because it's always been easy. You're here because after all the hell you've had to handle if you tried to walk away from God now you'd be like the prophet Jeremiah and declare his word is like fire shut up in my bones uh, you are here in church today because in spite of all you've been through you still believe God God help me I don't know who I'm preaching to now this is not a word for every single person but is there anybody here who can say in spite of my problems in spite of my pain in spite of the pressure in spite of the hell in spite of the high water I believe God I know it doesn't make sense. People are talking about me. People are looking at me crazy. They're making fun of me. But I believe God. I'm believing God for some crazy stuff. I, I believe he's going to move when the doctor said there was no hope. I believe he's going to change my financial situation when everybody told me to file bankruptcy. I, I believe he's going to fix my marriage even though me and my husband ain't on good terms anymore. I believe God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but you better not let Kanye West beat you. Ka Kanye West said he believed that God can do the impossible, and he just became a believer not that long ago. But I believe I've got some saints that have been solidified in their faith that know that if you put your trust in God, he's not going to allow you to be embarrassed. I dare you to declare over your situation, I've still got faith. God, help me. My children are driving me crazy, but I still got faith. My job is getting on my nerves, but I still got faith sick in my body but I still got faith pain in my mind but I've still I've still got faith I feel like preaching now I, I got to quit he's going to provide help for those who have the right hope he's going to elevate me over every obstacle he's going to sustain me so that I can continue to serve him but then he's going to get me to the finish line with my faith intact oh God God will give us favor to keep on fighting. Is that good news? But here it is. The favor is not simply a thing that God gives. But the favor of God is the guarantee of the presence of God himself. It is his presence with us in the midst of adversity, coupled with his strength inside of us. This is why you need to understand and know the attributes of God. His omnipresence, meaning he has ability to be everywhere at the same time.
which means that he can simultaneously deposit his power inside of you. But then he can also hold your hand and walk with you. God, help me. There is nobody else other than God who can be inside you and beside you at the same time. So God says he does. He's not just going to put his strength in us, but he's going to faithfully stand by us. OK, I've got to close. Uh, in 19 or 1897, Mrs. Ludie Pickett, the wife of a Methodist evangelist and a teacher at Asbury College, while reflecting over her husband's life, her and her husband's life and service in ministry, sat down at her piano as she often did after dinner and wrote the words of this classic hymn of the church. She said, I've seen the lightning flash and I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I've heard the voice of Jesus telling me still fight on. And he promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. I know uh, y'all are young church, so y'all can't get with that. But the reality of, the, of, of our lives is that you may be fighting a battle against depression, a battle against fear, a battle against anger, a battle against the sins of your past. And it seems like you'll never be able to win the fight. But the word of the Lord for you is to fight on because God is going to give you favor so that you can win whatever fight you're in. God, help me. Look at somebody and tell them now I'm done. But look at somebody and tell them fight on. God, help me. When your flesh is is tired and weary when your feelings are hurt when you're emotionally drained and you want to quit because you don't know how to cope don't throw in the towel do not lift up your hands in despair don't surrender to the satanic interruption in your circumstance but fight on God help me y'all ain't got it yet touch somebody and tell them fight on God help me I know you want to quit but fight on I know you feel like you're losing your strength but fight on I know that you've got sickness in your body but fight on I know that you've got pain in your soul but fight on I know that you feel like you're all by yourself but fight on I know you can't see your way out but fight on I know that your heart's been broken but fight on I know that your application was denied but fight on I know that you were overlooked but fight on I know that they said you'll never make it but fight on I know that you've been abused and neglected and lied on and mistreated you've been judged and talked about and abandoned and every time you took one step forward life knocked you two steps back but I dare you to fight on because God said if you fight on let me hear C sharp Davon. I feel like having church if you fight on God said you're gonna win grab somebody by the hand I know y'all don't feel like it now but in a minute it's gonna get good to you tell your neighbor fight on